Yo, 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 good afternoon and happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to episode 198 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your gracious and humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. I'm back again with another football recap and takeaways Tuesday episode as I do a recap of the action from week 13 in in the NFL, along with my takeaways from week 13 in the NFL. I'll do a recap on Championship Saturday and the four teams that were announced for for the final four of the college football playoff. I'll give you my thoughts coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. All right. Now, without further ado, let's get episode 198 started. And you know where I'm going to start my opening takes. It's in the NFL. We're going to start with the action from week 13 in the NFL. We're going to first start off with the Texans versus the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos came into this game on a five-game winning streak. And the Texans, looking to bounce back after losing to rival Jacksonville the previous week. The Texans, this was a close game. I mean, this game was tight throughout the whole ball game. And going in the third quarter, it was, it was only a six-point game. But the Texans behind some good um, quarterback play from C.J. Stroud and forcing three turnovers from Russell Wilson pulled out a 22-17 victory. C.J. Stroud was 16 of 27, 274 yards, one touchdown. No interceptions. He didn't get much out of the running game. I mean, Damian Pierce had 41 yards. Devin Singletary, 36 yards. Nico Collins had 191 yards and a touchdown. Of course, the um, sensational rookie receiver, Tank Dell, suffered a um, leg injury, a broken fibula, and now he's out for the season. You got to feel bad for the guy because he was, he was balling out. Russell Wilson had an awful game. I mean, he was looking like the Russell Wilson of, a few, of, of, of the pre-five-game winning streak. He was 15 of 26, 186 yards, one TD, three interceptions. Javon Williams, 46 yards. Russell Wilson added 44 yards. Cortland Sutherland, 77 yards and a TD. Jerry Judy, 51 yards. And Javon had 24 yards to add to it. For the Houston Texans, this was a this was a this was a good win. And they're still not only in the playoff hunt. But they're also still in the hunt for the um, AFC South, and they're very and they can actually steal this division, especially with Jacksonville losing to Cincinnati on Monday Night Football. More on that one in a minute. But if the Texans can keep this up, not only they can steal division, they can steal division and host the playoff game. And of course, this continues to make the case for not only C.J. Stroud to be the rookie of the year, which I think he's already got sewed up, and even an MVP um, candidate. But my guy, Nico Ryan's for MVP. I mean, for coach of the year. Here's what, here's what the Houston Texans have left. They have the Jets next, next week. They have the Titans, a division foe. The Browns, the Titans, and the Colts to end the season. So if they can get some wins here, I mean, especially if they can beat... Their division foes, 
you know, the Titans twice and the Colts, they could probably wrap up the division, especially if Jacksonville, you know, starts to slip. For the Broncos, this was a setback. I mean, they had a chance to gain some ground on the Kansas City Chiefs, who lost their matchup against Green Bay. More on that one in a minute. So now, the margin of error for the Denver Broncos is very, very, very small. Here's what they have coming up. They have the Chargers, the Lions, the Patriots, the Chargers again, and then close up the Raiders. And I don't think that's going to be easy. And there's a good chance they could. They, this game might be the beginning of them playing themselves out of the playoffs. So these next five games are going to be very important. And I don't think they can lose any more games if they want to have a shot of at least making the playoffs. I don't believe they'll catch the Chiefs, but at least a playoff berth. Now let's move on to Kansas City versus um, the Green Bay Packers. And an upset um, win, the Green Bay Packers beat the Chiefs 27-19. The thing about this game was the last two minutes. The officiating was, was terrible. There were some bad calls in, in, in the last two minutes of this game. First call... Jonathan, Jonathan Owens hit Patrick Mahomes as he was going out of bounds, and they called a late hit out of bounds. You can clearly look at that um, the replay and saw Patrick Mahomes was, hasn't even stepped out of bounds when he hit it. Then, of course, there was a pass interference call on um, MVS that should have been called. I mean, the Green Bay Packer cornerback um, interfered with um, MVS. And and, if they, and they needed to call that play, even though it would have caught them on, the, I think, the two or yard line or so. But that should have been called as a blatant pass interference. And of course, on the Hail Mary, Travis Kelsey was pushed to the back before the ball got there. But they didn't call that either. I get it on the pass interferences. I mean, they didn't. I mean, we all know the referees were been frowned on if the Chiefs would have won this game based on that alone. But still, those had those were so obvious they had to be called. And like I said, the the um Jonathan Owens hit on Patrick Mahomes was a terrible call. But either way, the Green Bay Packers, riding a winning streak, won this um, was able to overcome that and win the game. Jordan Love, who's been on a uh, on a streak the last couple of games, had was 25 of 36, 267 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Over the last three games, he's had eight touchdowns and no interceptions. A.J. Dillon, 73 yards rushing. Romeo Dobbs, 72 yards. Christian Watson, 71 yards and two touchdowns. Unfortunately, he suffered an injury. And, we, of course, we don't know the extent of the injury, but it would be sad if he's out for the rest of the season because he was starting to come alive there for the Green Bay Packers. On the Chiefs' side, Patrick Mahomes didn't have a great game. 21 of 33, 210 yards, one TD, one interception. Isaac Pacheco, I mean, that man has been running like a Mack truck. I mean, he's got to get out of this guy's way. He had 110 yards and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey had 81 yards receiving. Rasheed Rice, 
64 yards. And MVS only had 25 yards. For Green Bay, this is this is a good this is a, a, a I think an important win. It, it, it increased the it, it um, gives them a chance to maybe even sniff the playoffs this this season after having a rough start to the season. But let's look at their schedule going forward. They have the next the, the final five games: Giants, Bucks, Panthers, Vikings, Bears. Now. Giants, I think they should be able to beat. Um, Buccaneers not may not be as easy because Buccaneers are looking, you know, to win their division. Carolina, of course. Vikings division game that's gonna be tough, and the Bears a division game that's gonna be tough. So there's a chance that if Green Bay can, you know, squeak out maybe three out of the five games, there's a good chance they might be able to slip in the playoffs, barring some other teams losing. For the Kansas City Chiefs, this loss knocks them back one game of the um, top um, spot in the AFC. Because right now, that's that's being occupied by the South Beach 49ers, I mean the Miami Dolphins, at the moment. With um, Baltimore in second place. So now the Chiefs... If they, if they want to continue to get that um, get that spot and don't have to pl- and don't have to play a game on the road, which they have not done in the Patrick Mahomes era, all their games have been in Arrowhead. So here's what they have coming up: they have the Bills next week, the Patriots, the Raiders, the Bengals, and then the Chargers. Um, Buffalo's not gonna be easy. They should get by the Patriots and the Raiders. The Bengals might not be as easy as we thought it we thought it might be due to the fact that they won without Joe Burrow last I mean on Monday night. But the Chiefs, I mean if they want to if they want to um get that number one spot, they're gonna they're gonna need they need to um, rack up some wins and hope the Dolphins, you know, take some losses along with Baltimore. Now let's go to the game what was supposed to be the game of the week and I have to admit I didn't see this coming but I'm excited about it my San Francisco 49ers dragged the Philadelphia Eagles 42 to 19 in their own backyard what was interesting about this is in the first quarter my 49ers offense didn't show up they had minus two yards in the first quarter now, the first two drives, the Eagles were driving on the Niners' defense, but the Niners held them to two field goals, and I believe that was key because if it was two touchdowns, it would have been a lot harder. But now, since you were holding the two field goals, they once they scored on their first drive, they scored the rest of the way. Pretty much, the Niners scored on six straight drives, racking up. 14 points in the second, third, and fourth quarter. Brock Purdy was 19 of 27, 314 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Christian McCaffrey had 93 yards and a touchdown, which puts him over the 1,000 mark, the first 49er running back to go 1,000 yards in a season since Frank Gore 
in 2014. Debo Samuel had 22 yards rushing and a touchdown. But this was a Debo Samuel type of game. I'll explain. Debo Samuel had four catches for 116 yards and two touchdowns. Debo not only talked that talk, but he walked the walk. George Kittle had 68 yards receiving and Brandon Ayuk 46 yards and a touchdown. Jawan Jennings delivered the knockout punch. He had three catches, 44 yards, including the touchdown that sealed the deal for the Niners. Jalen Hurts had 298 yards on 26 of 45 passing, one touchdown. He also led with 20 yards. As a, as a team, the, the Eagles only had 46 yards. Kudos to Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator, for making the adjustments since that three-game losing streak, and teams have had a hard time running the ball against my Niners. DeAndre Smith only had 13 yards rushing. A.J. Brown had 114 yards. Devontae Smith, 96 yards. And Kenneth Gainwell, 42 yards. For my Niners, they're the team to beat right now. There's no weaknesses, on, especially on offense. Every skill position is complete. And defensively, I mean, the front seven is definitely top-notch. Secondary has actually had some improvements as well. I mean, there's still a little bit of flaws there, but still, there was going to be cleaned up. But what this does is this gives them one game closer to the number one seed, barn they win out and the Eagles lose at least one more game. For my Niners, this is, the, this is their schedule going forward. They're going to be taking on the Seattle Seahawks for the second time, this time in San Francisco. Then they play the Cardinals on the road. Then a big one versus the Ravens on Christmas. The Washington Commanders and close out with the rival Rams. If they can win out and the Eagles can lose one more game, then the top spot is theirs because they'll own the tiebreaker. For the Eagles, here's what they have going forward as far as their schedule goes. They have the Cowboys next Sunday night. That's going to be a big one. They're going to have the um, Seattle Seahawks after that, which for the Seahawks was going to be huge because the Seahawks are going to be desperate. Then they have a pretty easy last three games afterwards. They have the Giants twice and then the Cardinals in between. So for the Eagles, what, what needs to happen for them is they need to tighten up their secondary. Because this secondary could be had. I mean, the front seven is still pretty good. But you can, you can get past the front seven. You can eat up that secondary. And they and as far as offensively goes, they have to have a they have to have DeAndre Smith run the football more. They they got they gotta have a balanced attack on offense. 46 yards, you know, rushing is not good. Especially when you're playing one of the best teams in the NFL. You've got to have a balanced attack. It can't be just all Jalen Hurts. So it'll be interesting to see what happens these last five games. Who can get that number one spot. Now let's move on to a game I didn't talk about. But 
you know, happened to sell the cat. I had to, I caught it. So, and it turned out to be a better game than I thought it would be. And that is the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Cincinnati Bengals, of course, playing their second straight game without Carson, without um Joe Burrow, who's out for the season. And of course, they had to lie on Jake Browning, and Jake Browning came through. The Bengals won this game on a field goal in overtime to cruise to um, win the game 34 to 31. Of course, the story of this game is Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback, got injured in the fourth quarter. He got stepped on and then he got bent back. Now, we don't know the extent of the injury. We'll know more, I guess, in the coming days. But Jake Browning. Had a big time. Had, had a monster game. He was 32 of 37, 354 yards, one touchdown. Joe Mixon had 68 yards and two touchdowns. Jamar Chase balling, still 150 yards uh, receiving in one touchdown. Trevor Lawrence, before he got hurt, was 22 of 29, 258 yards and two touchdowns. Travis Etienne, 45 yards and a touchdown. Evan Ingram had 82 yards receiving and one touchdown. Zay Jones, 78 yards. And Parker Washington, 61 yards. For the Bengals, they're not quite out of the playoff picture just yet. But it's going to be kind of tough. I mean, can Jake um, Browning, you know, hold, hold, hold it up for the Bengals? Because they're, he's going to be the quarterback the rest of the way since Joe Burrow isn't walking through that door anytime this se- no more this season. Here's what they have coming up. They have the Colts. That's not going to be an easy game. Colts are looking to um, get in the playoffs as well. The Vikings, the Steelers, the Chiefs, and the Browns. So that's a tough schedule. So the Bengals... Margin for error is very, very, very small at this point. One or two losses, and they're going to be sitting at home. As for the Jacksonville Jaguars, all I can say is they better hope that this Trevor Lawrence um, injury doesn't is, is not lingering, because if Trevor Lawrence is, I mean, is is not coming back this season. There's a good chance that the Houston Texans. Are gonna are gonna sweep right in and take this division. Now let's move on to my takeaways from Week 13 and the NFL. I don't have very much to say as far as takeaways go, so I'm just gonna only have maybe like two, maybe three takeaways. First takeaway: Let's talk about the MVP race. There two, there's two other um, names we need to mention. One of them is Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott has been playing excellent football as of late. And, and, and Dallas has won five of their last six games. They're now 9-3. and three, And they are well rested and got momentum going into next week's showdown versus their hated rivals, the Philadelphia Eagles. Dak Prescott has got 26 touchdowns and 6 interceptions this year. 
over the past five games, he's got 16 touchdowns and one interception. He's got over, over he's has 1,597 yards. So Dak Prescott right now, he's playing himself into the MVP conversation. Of course, Dallas is good. I think I think the only way he's gonna get that is he's gonna have to win this game and win out and possibly either get the division, somehow get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. I think it's gonna be the only thing that's gonna get him this MVP. Now, another name that I believe who actually has been teetering on MVP conversation, even though some don't want to give him no credit for what he's doing now. But I need America. And everybody listening to my voice here, it's time to start giving some love and respect to my quarterback, Brock Purdy. That's right. Brock Purdy is playing like an MVP. I mean, his his stats don't lie. Brock Purdy has 23 touchdowns and six interceptions. Over the past five games... He's had, he's he's had um, 1,517 yards, 12 touchdowns, and three interceptions. And look and check out these these rankings for Brock Purdy. He's number one in passer rating. He's number one in completion percentage, which is about 70 percent, 71 percent. Touchdown attempt, he's number one. Yards attempt, number one, and yards. For completion number one. If that ain't MVP status, I don't know what is. But it's time to start giving my guy, Brock Purdy, some MVP love. Especially if they win out and get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And I believe that if he can have a big game on Christmas versus um Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. That should put him at the top of the list. My second takeaway. The Jets looks like they're talking Zach Wilson back as a starting quarterback. <sighs> and when it's going bad, it's going bad. But now that now the Jets are talking about bringing back Zach Wilson, even though Coach Robert Sala is not um, committing to Zach Wilson all he just says is the fo- he just says that he wants to um, play but he, he's not he's not committing to him to play all I'm going to say for this is this, say is this Robert Sala is getting very close to losing the locker room especially his defense his defense has got to be sick and tired of, of their um, efforts being wasted. They held the Atlanta Falcons to 13 points, but yet the offense can only manage eight points, no touchdown, a field, two field goals, and a safety. I mean, they got to be getting tired of this, and you can't blame them. So Robert Solid, he, he better hope he knows his locker room better than all than us on the outside because he put Zach Wilson up back in there and he stinks it up again 
and waste another week of the of this defense, I think the locker room is going to turn on him. And it may cost him his job. My final take, my final takeaway, the beatdown of the Eagles obviously forced them to make a desperate move. So now the Eagles have signed recently cut former Indianapolis Colts linebacker Shaquille Leonard. Now, I'm not knocking the move. It's a good move. Because, I mean, Shaquille Leonard is a, it, it was, was one of the top linebackers in the NFL prior to getting cut. So now they, they obviously feel like they need some help at the linebacker position. And, of course, they are down some starters. So now they decide to sign a veteran in Shaquille Leonard. Shaquille Leonard, this has posted 614 tackles, 34 losses, 15 sacks, forced fumbles since he came in the league. So they got a good, they got a good player here. But we all know this was this was a desperate move that they feel that they had to make. Now it's gonna be interesting to see. Um, what's I mean, how much he's gonna be playing versus the Dallas Cowboys next Sunday night. Alright, well that's it for my NFL segment. Now let's move to college football. Well, we're gonna talk about the college football playoff and the four teams in just a second. But let's go over some of the games that happened that got us there. We're gonna start with Oregon versus Washington round two. And obviously, it turned out to be just as good as round one. But of course, the result was still the same. The Washington Huskies pulled out a 34-31 victory. The Washington, the Washington Huskies came out and, and popped Oregon in the mouth. They, they hung up 10 points in the first quarter and hung up 10 in the second quarter. I mean, Oregon made a run but the Huskies made the plays on both offense and defense that sealed the deal. And I said this, and I still stand by this. I believe the winner of this game, it, 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 the, whichever quarterback won this game, is, is, is going to win the Heisman Trophy. I still stand by that. Michael Penix Jr. had 319 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Dylan Johnson had 152 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Jalen McMillan had 131 yards. Rome Adunzi had 102 yards. Bo Nix had 239 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He also led the team with 69 yards rushing, which is never good. His two top running backs, Jordan James, 35 yards, and Bucky Irvin, 20 yards. Trez Johnson had 68 yards. So now with this, Washington punched their ticket into the college football playoff. They are, they're the number two team, and they're going to be playing the number three team, which is Texas, who punched their ticket to the college football playoff with a victory over um, Oklahoma State in the Big Ten, in the Big 12 championship. That's going to be an interesting matchup. Talk more about that when the time comes. Now let's move on to the big one. Alabama versus Georgia. Alabama 
has never lost the SEC championship game to Georgia. They beat them three straight times and now make it four as they pull off a 27-24 victory. Alabama took over this game in the second quarter and never let up. Georgia came out to a 7-3 victory, but then after that, Alabama took over the game and never looked back. Jalen Melrose had 192 yards passing, two touchdowns. He also had just 29 yards um, rushing. And he's been doing it with his arm and his legs throughout most of the season. Wardell Williams, 64 yards and a touchdown. Isaac Bond, 79 yards. Carson Beck had 243 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. They didn't get much out of the running game. Uh, Milton, I mean, Kendall Milton, 42 yards rushing. Dejon Edwards, 38 yards. Brock Bowers, 40, 53 yards uh, receiving. And Lad McCornigy, 38 yards. And Arian Smith, 51 yards. And of course, with this victory, it prevents Georgia from having a chance to three-peat as national champions. And Alabama punched their ticket to the college football playoff. And they'll be playing Michigan, who easily handled Iowa 26 to nothing. So now I'm going to end this segment. And now I'm going to give you my thoughts on the, on the um, four teams that were selected for the college football playoff. So here's what we have. We have number one, Michigan. Washington, number two. Texas at three. Alabama at four. But of course, Florida State, who had an undefeated season, was left out of the college football playoff. And of course, there's been a lot of, a lot of talk about this. I mean, you have you have you have some that agree with it and some that don't. So now, I'm going to give you my thoughts on this situation. First, my first thought is this: I think Florida State got jobbed. I mean, they went through the whole season undefeated, and they won their their um conference, the ACC. But yet, they got snubbed. And I personally believe that the reason that happened is Florida State got punished for three for three reasons. Number one, they got punished because their starting quarterback, Jordan Travis, got injured late in the season. Number two, they got punished for barely beating Florida in the last game of the season because... They, they were going with a, their backup quarterback. And of course, he got concussed. Three, they're also punishing Florida State. Even though they won the ACC championship, that was, they, of course, they didn't, play, they didn't play a very great game in their win over Louisville. They were playing with a third string quarterback. So basically by cutting Florida State out of the college football playoff, the committee was basically telling you 
that we're, we're punishing we're punishing Florida State for the three transactions I just described. And I'll give I'll give you a, I'll give you another reason why I think Florida State was cut out of this. The la- last year's national championship game, where they saw TCU got blown up by Georgia in a game that was in, that was over, basically over by the end of the first quarter. So they were they were they, I think the committee was worried that if they put Florida State in the national championship game, I mean not in the national championship game in the semi. Final game versus Michigan versus Michigan, then today would be a blowout. Because let's be honest, since this college football playoff four-team um, format has been there, there have been semifinal games that have not lived up to billing. There have been semifinal games that have been a jo- have been jokes. So they were they were looking to um avoid that if they could. But still, that's still no excuse for God, I'm cutting them out of the college football playoff after being undefeated. I think I believe another reason that um, Alabama got the jump over um, Florida State because it's the SEC. The last thing college, I mean, the committee wants to do is take off the SEC. They don't want to take off Nick Saban. And I'm just saying this, and this is just my personal opinion. This is not fact. I personally believe if they had left Alabama out of this college football playoff, I think that I think there would have been a backlash. Not just from fans, maybe even from Nick Saban. There's a good chance the ratings would have sent would have, would have suffered for the college football playoff. Especially all, all Nick Saban would probably have to say was. He didn't agree with the decision. He thought the format would change. He, I mean, and chances are that would have spooked the, co- the um, college football playoff committee. So, I mean, so bad that, and maybe spook fans from watching the college football um, um, semifinals that the ratings would suffer. That's just my personal opinion, of course. But we all know this was also a money grab because look at the brand names that are in in this college football playoff Alabama Michigan and Texas the blue blood teams and of course next year Texas is going to be in in the SEC I mean Washington I mean they're they're a big they're they're a household name too they've been around a while I mean, so they had four names in there. And don't get me wrong, all these two, these matchups are going to be good, I believe. And I think that's what the committee, that's what the um, committee, and I believe, you know, the, um, the, the television networks are banking on. And I, and, and we all know if, if Florida State would have gotten blown out, then of course the ratings was going to suffer, or if Florida State would have somehow even pulled off an upset. No, no, they were probably fearing that even if they pull off the upset, chances are they was going to um they was going to lose the same way TCU lose to Georgia last year. 
while, while, while I'm going to watch both of these semifinal games, you just got to feel bad for the kids at Florida State for getting jobbed the way they did. But the good, the only silver lining in this is next year, we're going to have 12 teams instead of four. Personally, they should go ahead and start 12 right now. Instead of just wait till one year. In order to um, get, get it right. But. We're going to see what happens going forward. And hopefully. Now we're getting 12 teams next season. That we'll have less controversy. And they'll get it right. Anywho. That will conclude episode 198 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your gracious and humble host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for downloading. I appreciate it very much. You can follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever podcasts are available or wherever you stream your podcast. You can follow me on X at Sports 13 and follow my Facebook page, Sports Takes Galore with Gabe. I'd like to thank everyone for listening, downloading, Have a wonderful afternoon, a great day, and I'll talk to you again on Friday. Bye-bye.